Hello, and welcome to the For Pete's Sake podcast. I'm David O'Connor with eXp Realty. And I'm Alex Blencarn with eXp Realty. And today we're going to be reviewing the Peterborough City August 2023 market stats. And we've got our deal of the month, tip of the month. And then uh, we actually got some uh, big news coming up, Bank of Canada Met, and some other news. Um, little disclaimer, this is going to get a little macro, so get that caffeine in you. Alex, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Trying to stay cool. Uh, we had the, the Labor Day weekend. Uh, just this past le- weekend, and it was a scorcher out there. So it's uh, that's weird. You still got the AC running in September, um, which I mean can't complain. Kind of the last last weekend of summer, so it was nice. Got to spend a lot of time with family, so can't complain. What about you? Oh, you're right. We got fall weather in August, and then we get the hot weather at the beginning of September. No, it's good. Yeah, I'm in my basement. AC's cranks. It's nice and cold down here, um, and we got the pool now, which is great. So. We'll probably pop out for a dip with the fam later. Nice, nice. So, Alex, before we get into the stats, there's some big news. Big news. Bank of Canada met. We can start with that, and then I know you got some some other big news as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's get into a little bit of macro here. I know everybody loves it. So um, yeah, the the Bank of Canada met on September sixth at ten a.m. And they decided to hold their policy interest rate at 5%. So great news there. No increase. Again, that Bank of Canada policy interest rate affects your variable rate mortgage. And the bond yields actually affect your fixed rate. So uh, your variable rate, I believe, is still around 7. But definitely consult with a mortgage professional to get an exact number. And I believe your fixed is kind of around 6% right now. Now, in the Bank of Canada's press release... They mentioned they held their policy interest rate for a variety of reasons. The first reason they pointed to was the GDP number, which came out for Q2. And we actually shrunk by 0.2% year over year in quarter number two for 2023. But it actually had no change quarter over quarter. So it was a 0% change according to Stats Canada. That's the number that was reported on their website uh, quarter over quarter. So between the first three months of 2023 and the second three months of 2023, there was 0% change uh, quarter over quarter. Again, keep in mind a recession is classified by two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So we're at 0% uh, as of Q2 2023. They also cited inflation data was averaging around 3% for both June and July of 2023, which was in line with their projections. So I believe they came out with their monetary policy report where they projected that they were hoping to get inflation at 3% uh, by the end of the year. I believe that was in the report. Uh, We'll link the report down below so you guys can take a look. But they cited that they were kind of on target with their 3% average for June and July. So they decided not to increase their policy interest rate. So some good news there. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah, it's kind of mixed. It's good that they didn't increase rates, but there's still, you know, some narrative there about some doom and gloom. So I'll be interested how uh, the market's going to respond. Yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't uh, snuff out our fall market. Um, 
the, the rate hike not going up, that, that well, that's that's going to help a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks if we're going to have a traditional fall market. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be kind of the, the saving grace of 2023 because things really were, were quite quiet uh, this summer, especially kind of July and August. Things were, were pretty quiet. So we'll get into that. But there was another huge piece of news, which kind of uh, dwarfs the Bank of Canada news from a gentleman named Benjamin Tal, who is the deputy chief economist for CIBC. And he came out with a report at the end of August, and it was a population report aimed at Statistics Canada. So the report contained a few key items. There were three of them. The first key item was that in 2013, Statistics Canada had estimated that there would be 38.7 million people in Canada in 2023. That's 38.7 million by 2023. That was Statistics Canada's estimate back in 2013. Again, there have been two censuses or censis since then uh, because they release about every five years. So I believe there were two. The actual number was 40.2 million. So that was a misestimate of one and a half million people. Now, the reason this is important is because generally when you're allocating housing for Canada, they will look at these population estimates from Statistics Canada to determine how many permits they need to issue and how many homes they need to build. Because as we know, you don't just get a permit and you can throw up a house next week. Generally, these projects, especially the major subdivisions, can take you know between five and 10 years. So when we're looking at population estimates back in 2013, and maybe we're using those numbers in 2015 when we're deciding how many permits and homes to build. We look at that 38.7 million people and we go, yep, let's build enough homes for that number of people. The problem is there were actually one and a half million other people that they missed out on. So it's, it's really important because this population forecast is used for planning, uh, budget allocations, zoning for real estate. And if you're undercounting, you will not have a plan in place to house those one and a half million residents. So a huge finding in that report, that was finding number one. Now stay tuned for number two and number three. But any thoughts on that, Dave? That's a huge miss. That's, I'd love to know <laughs> the full story behind that. But uh, if you, what, 1.2 was it 1.5? 1.5. 1.5 million people that need to be housed that they didn't account for. That can greatly impact our economy. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely real estate. Yeah. So again, this, this relates to real estate because of supply and demand. And if there is a large number of people that are without housing, it's going to affect the demand greatly. And that large number of people could be close to 1 million according to finding number two and number three. Finding number two. Again, the census from StatsCan is released every five years. And Benjamin says that they're undercounting non-permanent residents in foreign students by about 250,000 people. The problem with this is CMHC uses this census data 
again, for projecting housing demand. And then that CMHC projection is used by the municipalities when they're planning subdivisions and creating zoning bylaws for the different areas of their municipality. Finding number three, temporary visas were not being counted. So Statistics Canada, the way that they count those temporary visas is they assume that 30 days after your visa expires, you're going to leave the country. And because of this, they do not count you in the population. So think about an international student that comes to Canada. They come to Canada, they finish their schooling, and now their visa is up. It's going to expire in 30 days, but they want to stay in the country. So they're going to apply for either a work visa or potentially extending their visa or apply for that permanent residency. Stats Canada does not count these individuals in their population demographic calculation because they assume that they're going to leave the country 30 days after their visa expires. So Benjamin Tal estimates that there are 750,000 individuals that meet this criteria. That's a total of around 1 million people that were not counted in our population data. Now, what I find really interesting about this is Stats Canada's response. They came out publicly after this report was released and said and stated publicly that they are going to revise the way they count non-permanent residents and will be adjusting the number from their 2021 census with this new methodology at the end of September 2023. So they saw this report, essentially admitted that Benjamin Tal was right and that we did undercount our population. And they're working like rabbits to try and get this number revised from the 2021 census. Again, essentially admitting that Benjamin Tal is correct with this population data. So really alarming there because essentially that means that there are potentially 1 million extra people that we have not accounted for in our housing development projections. So when they're looking to create housing development, they're going to say, okay, yes, we've got 40.2 million people in the country and we need to house this many people this year. So we need to build X number of homes. The problem is they missed that number by about a million people. It's not good. Yeah, just not good. So many people rely on that data. There's not much room for error. And as you're saying, it comes all down to supply and demand, but if you're unaware of the real demand. So and that's the issue. That's the issue is, is these municipalities that are budgeting where they're going to spend their resources, um, you know, where we're going to put subdivisions and they're deciding, okay, we need to house, you know, let's say the population, I believe it grew by about a million 50,000 this year. They're saying, okay, we need to house those new million 50,000 residents. Problem is that number is actually closer to 2 million as per Benjamin Tal. So that's an extra million people, double what Statistics Canada reported yeah. in terms of population increase year over year. So that is extremely alarming. And what's going to be interesting is a lot of the other market indicators are pointing towards our first buyer's market. You know, 2024 may be a majority buyer's market, but something like this, you know, if there's an extreme demand for housing, you know, we, we might be slipping back into seller's market. It's interesting times.
Yeah, essentially, I mean, you've really got kind of two camps with uh, your housing projections. And, you, and when you're looking in that crystal ball, you've got the camp of population growth and that we are not building enough homes to house these individuals, therefore putting pressure on the rental market and eventually the resale market. Then you've got the other camp that says, okay, well, interest rates are way too high and people cannot afford these million dollar homes because there's no way they can qualify for them based on their current average household incomes. So you've got those two separate camps with kind of opposing views. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe it plays out somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's, you know, a, a balanced market. Who knows? It's tough to say. Might have to get better incentives to uh, builders. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other topic. We won't get into that now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there you have the news, guys. Um, yeah. So if you've made it this far, we are going to get into the Peterborough City 20, August 2023 market stats. And, of course, uh, then we'll have the tip of the month for you and the deal of the month. Yeah, so we got uh, 22 versus 23 here for August. Um, the average sale price increased by a little bit, uh, 1.5%. New listings increased by 24%. Number of sales decreased by about 13%. And days to sell actually decreased by 31%. So that's a pretty huge change. Uh, in terms of the month over month, change we saw the average price decline month over month slightly same with the number of sales that that went down month over month same with days to sell that was down month over month and listings were about the same so kind of decreases in all statistics they were only slight decreases as we'll see but definitely decreases in in all of the you know four statistics that we like to track so any thoughts on that dave yeah um well i guess you got Days to sell have decreased 30%, which is pretty significant. But again, this is year over year. I feel like the real story and the stuff, the meaty stuff to get into is these month over months coming up here. I feel like they really tell the story of where our market's at right now. Yeah, and looking for trends. So there you can see, I mean, it's not a huge change month over month. I think it was a decline of around $10,000, but certainly a decline. But I mean, nothing really major there. Um, so yeah, there you have it. It was, you know, 653 and we're at 646 for August. So not a huge change there, but definitely a decline month over month. Yeah. Just a slight decline. And we'll, we'll get into it in a few slides from now, but I actually think prices are declining more than that. And they're a little obscured. New listings again, relatively the same. I think we had one new listing, uh, change month over month so i think we were at uh it was it was yeah 148 and and we're at 149 for august so relatively the same market in terms of inventory that is listed so homes that are newly listed for the month yeah again that's um consistent with a traditional market where the summer months are a little sluggish like july august do tend to be similar months and then um you get that nice pop in the fall but uh, yeah, that looks pretty consistent. That's that's why what's really interesting about this year is there's a lot happening, but the end result is looking very similar to a traditional year. But there's a lot of variables driving it that are you know not consistent with um, what's driving the market in the past. So it's it's that's why I'm thinking 
I don't know. I'm hoping uh, and um, excited for maybe a big fall market. Yeah, and, and again, to, to touch on your point there, it, it could be those two camps and kind of just meeting in the middle where, you know, maybe there is a heavy demand and that's kind of causing a floor in the housing market. Because yes, interest rates are high, but there are still many buyers out there that need and want housing. So that's what we could be seeing. And that could be keeping the housing market afloat. Yeah, and I think if it's a lot of international student related, then then it's going to be those investment type properties too. Yeah. Obviously, like, and we got lots of those up here. People have been lo loving our market for years. Yeah, and, and that touches on the rental market as well. I mean, we don't really discuss the rental market, but it's just scorching here in Peterborough. Um, and it's continuing to scorch because if you're not buying a home, generally you're going to be renting a home. So yeah, it's excess still, demand in the rental market. Yeah, it's still an affordable housing crisis. People who would be buyers are being forced to rent. And then you got your students. And yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even know the numbers. I don't, we don't get into that, but it's, it's somewhere around 1% vacancy rate, which is. Yeah extremely low extremely low yeah number of sales we got an uptick month over month so good to see there not really uh you know major compared to what we saw in july there that's that that big jump or sorry in june that's that big uh bar that you see which was kind of the record number of sales for 2023 so yeah we that was 118 sales back in june and uh we did see a slight increase month over month from 68 to 74. And generally, I mean, that seems to be pretty typical, especially year over year. You look at those numbers there. 76 in July, we had 68 this July, 85 in August, and we had 74 this August. So relatively similar in terms of sales activity there. So that's your buyer demand or, or kind of a general picture of buyer demand. Yeah, and historically, the biggest closing day is the end of June. So uh, if you're closing into June, you usually have to give the lawyers an extra week because it's uh, there's a lot of activity happening. And you see that too, which is neat. You see that in kind of the last five years. I mean, besides 2022, June seems to be the month with the highest number of sales for the year. So this one's kind of neat. This is a good measure of supply and demand because it's comparing the number of active listings to the number of sales for the month. So again, active listings are the number of homes that are left over at the end of the month and number of sales are kind of self-explanatory, but essentially we can look at the difference between that green and blue bar and we can see kind of how the market is looking. If it's getting a little bit tighter or maybe it's softening a little bit, we can tell based on a trend and looking at the difference between those green and blue bars. So we did see a slight increase because sales went up in active, or sorry, number of new listings stayed relatively the same. So we did see a slight increase in the market slightly tightened month over month. Not huge, but it did slightly tighten. Yeah, so you're just seeing there's more inventory out there for buyers right now. And there's definitely deals to be had in, in our market. But again, the buyers also being a little tentative. So that's why, uh, even uh, the buyers that were, you know, more looking or putting things on hold, you know, find out what's going on with the economy. Obviously, waiting for the kids to go back to school, summer plans and all of that. But uh, you might see an emergence of the buyers here in the next couple of weeks. We're already seeing it, right? Um, just from personal experiences, my, my, some of my buyers are starting to reemerge. And I know you were saying the same, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, starting to see that. So again, it'll be neat to kind of track this because yes, we did see an uptick month over month, but what we're really looking for is trends. So are, are we going to see that number continue to decrease? Uh, and again, that's the, the delta between the number of active listings and then you subtract the number of sales and then you get a value of essentially kind of, you can track that number if it's increasing the market is softening. If it's decreasing, then the market is tightening. And days to sell a slight decrease there. So, I mean, what do you think that was from? I think it was 24 days to sell in July and yeah, 20 days to sell in August. So what are your thoughts there, Dave? What, what kind of do you think caused that slight decrease in terms of days to sell? It's not major. It's about half a week, but it yeah. was a slight decrease. A few things that like we were talking offline. There's, there's been a little bit more holding offers. And when you hold, you know, it's usually a week or, or so. Sometimes they do the two weekends and they hold for 10 days or so. So those ones are selling pretty quick. And um, and that, that, there's not a lot of sales. So something like that could really bring, bring that number down slightly. What do you think? Is anything else contributing to it? Yeah, I think that's re really it. I mean, the holding for sure. I, I definitely saw a little bit more of that in August. And um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the major things because that really does impact the days to sell because generally they hold offers for about a week. Then the property sells. Now it's reported as seven days on market. Oh yeah, my other thought on that too is I find it takes, you know, well, the sellers and the agents sometimes a little bit of time to catch up on the market. They might be looking at prices from last September, hoping, you know, to get, you know, 10% higher than uh, the actual market value. But now that they're getting more educated, they're seeing more evidence of where the real price points are, that they're pricing a little bit more appropriately. Because there's a lot of properties just sitting because they were just, just overpriced. And uh, maybe we're seeing the price just, just a little bit better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this one, I normally do a, a numerical value for the months of inventory, but I wanted to show it graphically because yes, we are still at three months of inventory, but we did see a slight decline month over month. So that is good to see. Again, it's similar to that active listings versus number of sales. This demonstrates that the market is slightly tightening, not a huge amount, but it is slightly tightening. Again, we want to look for trends. Just because we see it one month does not mean that that's the story of the market. We kind of want to look for, you know, trends of three to four months before we go ahead and claim something is shifting. Right. Yeah, especially that jump two months ago was a, was, yeah. was a bit abrupt. That just, and again, I know we, if you watch this all the time. Um, we always explain this, but it's your first time. Uh, months of inventories, if the market was to freeze today at the current um, sales rate, would take approximately you know three months to burn through the inventory we have. Um, something like this is technically considered a seller's market, and it's usually why not a buyer's market play is about six. And then what, four to six is more of a balance? Yeah, yeah, around four to six. Um, so that's a good way to kind of keep track of what's happening in terms of, uh, you know, seller and buyer sentiment is by looking directly at this month's of inventory and going, yep, we're still kind of in a seller's market. Now we are pushing closer to balance, but we are still in a seller's market. And that's what's made this market tricky to analyze because data like this says we're in a seller's market, but it definitely doesn't feel like that out there. 
No, no. So this one's kind of neat. Again, we, we touch on this kind of every month now, but it's the price distribution. Uh, and what I did this month was look at the price distribution and compare it to last month. So we look at August and we compare it to July. So some big outliers there is the 500 to 550. So homes that sold between 500,000 and 550,000, it was 18% of the sales for the month in August. When we compare that to July, it was 12%. So a pretty big jump there. We also saw a huge jump on the other end of the scale with homes that are priced between 600,000 and 650,000. So if a home sold between 660, 600,000 and $650,000, it was reported and it was only 8% of the sales. Compare that to July where it was 19% of the sales. So a larger increase in the entry level product, which is their 500 to 550, and sort of a, a decline in the interest of your mid-range product, which is your 600 to 650. So kind of interesting to see there. Yeah, to me, this this is the most information we're getting on the market in this slide because between the last two, um, that's 40% of the sales were above 600 and almost a third of them were above 700K. And we didn't have a lot of sales so this means the higher price points ones are selling, but I actually think all of these are trending down, but it doesn't look like that because the, the, where the sales are happening has shifted. And I think there's a lot of reasons, but we were talking about how, how some of the investment purchasing has cooled off because of the rates. So we get a lot of out of town interest in Peterborough scooping up, you know, student homes and, and whatnot. And that's slowed down a little bit just because some investors just can't get the financing in this economy and then you have you know as i said a third of them sales here above 700k and with only what 70 sales like that's that's going to pull your number up but i think yeah all of these markets prices for the most part are trending down but this sample for this month and last month um just because the higher price points are now selling a, a little bit more or it could be just that the lower aren't selling as much and and the upper ones are selling like they were but they're just pulling the averages up yeah, so they're inflating. It's trending down, and it's because if you look at it just at a high level, it looks you know like things aren't going down as much. But I think looking at this slide, there's just been a shift on where the sales are. Yeah, and that's why this slide is so important because we can't just look at one number, which is the average price. We can't just look at that and go, "Oh, average price was down month over month, market's declining." We need to really do a deep dive and to see what type of products are moving during that month. So that's why we, we really like to pay attention to this slide because you can kind of see, okay, above 700,000, 31% of the sales. So yeah, it was 74 sales for the month. 31% of those were above 700,000. So that's going to push that average price up. And then you look at, okay, five to 550, 18% of the sales. We're five to 550. That's going to, again, bring that number down. So we can't just look at one number. We have to look at the price distribution to see, again, this is really a, a graphical representation of what type of products these buyers are preferring to purchase. That's a good way to look at this. If you're a seller, look at this and go, okay, if I price my home, you know, over 700,000, 
if it's the same as it was in August, it's going to attract around 30% of the sales. So I should be able to sell my home because there does seem to be an appetite for that type of product. There also seems to be an appetite under 600,000. Yeah. And then if the rates, you know, scared away investors, maybe, maybe there's another dozen sales in the 400s that will pull, pull the average down significantly. So, Yes. Again, our sample right now, because there's not a lot of sales, it can be easily skewed by this. Where, you know, when we have 150 to 200 sales, a little less, but definitely when you're in and around 70 sales, you can be really influenced by one of these categories. Yeah. Oh, here so, we go. Yeah, Dave, tell me about uh, kind of some things to look for. So when you're buying a condo, again, we don't really touch on condos a lot in this podcast because we like to focus on freehold residential, which is different than a condominium. But it is different when you're purchasing a condo compared to when you're purchasing a house. So what are some things to look for when you are thinking about buying a condo? compared to a house. So what are some things to look for if you're a buyer and you're thinking about getting a condo? Well, first, uh, I guess this is condos 101, but um, different from apartments and things like when you're an owner of a condo, you own a piece of the entire building, which also means you pay for the common elements. So if there's 100 people in a condo, 100 people do uh, um, have their monthly fees, uh, maintenance fees, and that does cover common space things. So such as you know, some of the nicer ones, you might have a pool, you might have an exercise room, um, party rooms, you know, things like that, rooftop barbecue, you know, but you're going to pay for that. And then, uh, and then some, some like there's sometimes condo ones that they, you know, that maybe they just do your recycling pickup, maybe they shovel your driveway and it's reflected, maybe, maybe your monthly fees closer to 300. But I guess the first thing to consider is when you're budgeting for your condo, you have to budget your maintenance fees. Because you might be told you have a budget of five, 550 based on the purchase price. But when you do your monthly finances and you've got a five, six hundred thousand or $600 monthly fee, like that really skews. And maybe you're spending powers a hundred, 150 K less when you actually look at your, uh, your monthly ratios. So rule uh, tip number one, always build your condo fees into, uh, into your budget. And then the second one is when you do an offer on a condo, this is on the buy side. Um, you always want to have a review of the status certificate. What that is, it's a document um, with those financial statements in it, which is the thing you really want to zero in. And you want to make sure that the, the finances for that condo and the reserve fund is very healthy. What could happen is the price looks right, maintenance fees look right, budget looks right, that's great. But um, if they don't have much of a reserve fund and say the windows go or there's an accident and that's not covered by insurance or the roofs have to go, something deteriorates earlier. Well, they use the reserve fund to pay for these kind of renovations. What, but there's not enough in the reserve funds, your fees go up. And they can, and go, up they can, do, they can go up significantly. Yes. So, and they can do something called a special assessment as well, right. which is just awful. So that is that situation. There's not enough money in the reserve fund they can knock on your door and ask for a sum of money. Now, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but essentially that's what a special assessment looks like. So always be prepared for that. And again, always have a lawyer review that status certificate to make sure that condo is healthy because you're buying a piece of the building. Yeah, and it's pretty standard. So in some cases, the uh, sellers may already have a current one on hand or they're, they shoot, if they have a, a half-educated agent, they, they should let them know that this most likely there's going to be a condition of reviewing this. 
Um, and then usually you have to allot the right amount of time. If you, if you haven't, this is a tip, I guess, on the sell side. Some um, of the maintenance companies can take a couple of weeks to produce a status certificate. So if you don't do that in advance, well, that condition is going to now tie you up for at least three weeks. It takes two to get it. You got to give them a week to review it. So it's always uh, pertinent to uh, get that done in advance when you're selling and, and the buyers will review it. Stood that their lawyer, as you mentioned, uh, reviews a status certificate. There's other things in there too, like the rules of the condo and things like that. Like um, you may have, have a large breed dog that's not allowed in the building. And as you know, the one place where they can restrict animals is is condos. They can't in residential mm -hmm. rentals, but they can in condos. So you want to read those rules uh, just to make sure. A little one I, I didn't know about this. Some buildings, they don't allow hardwood flooring on upper floors because of the sound. So you can be really disappointed. And another big one is smoking smoking oh, yeah. so if you do smoke cigarettes yeah there there can be rules and bylaws in place in your condo where you're not allowed to smoke in your unit or your balcony which is a huge rule because that balcony is considered uh part of the common elements so i believe it's considered part of your common elements and not part of your unit so you're not allowed to smoke on your balcony even if you have a balcony in some cases so if you are a smoker definitely something to pay attention to Another little tip is some uh, is the parking. So sometimes the parking is included with the fee, but sometimes it's not. Again, that can impact your budget. Sometimes you have to lease the spot separately. Um, in, in most cases, they at least one spot comes with it, but then in some cases they're separate. So and same goes for storage. Uh, again, or maybe the storage isn't sufficient for you. Um, so you want to definitely when you're um, showing seeing the property, you want to pop down and check out the storage as well and check out the parking area. But uh, no, there's a couple more things to consider. Absolutely. And always check uh, to see what your condo fees cover. So there will be something in the MLS listing. I believe it shows up on realtor.ca, but if not, a realtor can answer the question for you. It's going to give you a list of services that your condo fees will cover. So you'll see parking in there. Uh, sometimes they cover things like water. So definitely important to look at that and see what you're getting for that monthly payment. And another final note on buying condos, there's so many things we can discuss, but your common elements fee or your condo fee is pretty much guaranteed to go up every single year. So something to note there, they rarely go down year over year, very, very rarely. So keep in mind that number, when you purchase that condo, that condo fee is probably going to be the cheapest condo fee that you'll pay during the life of your ownership. So definitely budget that in and that will be reported from your property management or uh, your owner as to what type of increase you might expect to see year over year. And, and this is all transparent. Um, there's there's condo committees. You, you can get on the condo committee and be involved in the decision making. And obviously, sometimes they have to vote or sometimes the, the uh, community is making decisions on your behalf. So depends how yeah. much you want to get involved. But so you should see these things coming because, you know, the condo does and he does meet finances. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So, yeah, the deal of the month. Uh, you'll notice there we're in Keene. We're not in Peterborough. So that's weird uh, <laughs> because I thought this was a Peterborough show. Uh, so let me pull up the location to show you guys where this property is located. It's just outside of Peterborough. So you can see the east end of Peterborough right here. There's uh, there's East City right here. You've got Beavermead Park right here, and you've got Lansdowne Street right here. So technically, 
I believe past television, this is considered keen, but you're just outside of Peterborough. And the best thing about this location is Mark S. Burnham Park. You see these green walking trails right here. Fantastic forest uh, donated by the Burnhams, a very famous family in Peterborough. Uh, they donated this land and created a park. Awesome, awesome walking trail there. So not only is it a great location, but look at that price, $460,000. Now, yes, this property does need a bit of work, but the location and the land, it's just gorgeous. And both Linda and Matt Murphy, Linda Amor and Matt Murphy did a fantastic job marketing the property and pricing the property. But let me show you through the pictures here. So acres, I, I believe it's around two acres. Don't quote me on that. I have to double check, but I believe it's around two acres. Now it does need a bit of work, uh, but just gorgeous. Again, you're, you're really purchasing the land. You've got the house already on here and you can do some cosmetic renovations. Now, Again, this is not advice because I'm not a home inspector and I don't believe there was a home inspection with this property. So we would always recommend, if possible, getting a home inspection to see if there are any structural concerns or if there's any major renovations that need to be done, such as foundation or potentially asbestos or any environmental hazards in the property. But again, if it is all cosmetic, you can fix this up yourself. You can hire a general contractor get it to how you want it and you've got that country paradise for your property and just a great location and a double car garage yeah and again i'm not a contractor but if you put the money in i'd, I'd be pretty sure it'd be a pretty good investment as you said location five minutes from peterborough you got a little bit of land you're not close to peterborough uh if you revitalize that home um again i, th I think uh, it'll be worth a significant amount more and if you do the uh the right kind of renovations um yeah i think it could be a potential even investment opportunity yeah so it's it is sold as is so something to note there yeah, sorry I, I i lied it is not two acres uh it's between half an acre and and two acres um i believe it's just around one acre um but it's a it's a three bedroom two bathroom you've got your furnace in 2022 you've got your roof in 2019 so some of those major upgrades have already been done one thing to note about this property that is especially important, they are holding offers on September 12th at 1 p.m. So especially important there. If you are interested in this property, please reach out to Dave or myself uh, and we can take you for a, a private showing to show you the property because you will need to put in an offer prior to September 12th at 1 p.m. if you are interested in this property. It's another one in the books. Yeah, another one in the books. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you, uh, thank you for the insight and your time. Um, yeah, I, I always love hearing your insight and and what you have to say about the stats and kind of your thoughts on the market. So absolutely appreciate it, and I'm sure everybody watching does as well. Well, I appreciate you doing the heavy lifting and putting the decks together. <laughs> no problem, the, brother. Getting in the weeds. Absolutely, bit of macro. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, I hope you uh, cool off over there. Um, yeah. Maybe you'll get an invite over to dip in the pool. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, again, appreciate you and uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you too, brother. Enjoy your September. And uh, until next time, the, 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 that's all, folks. Take care.